thank you for all this wonderful time that we've had here. Music has this ability to soften our hearts and hopefully open them up to be predisposed to hear the Word of God. When I, my family and I first came to the United States many, many years ago, um, we were staying, visiting a pastor in California. So we were going to church with him and helping a little bit until we were, you know, on our feet. And uh, one night, Sunday evening, they had a service in the evening too, and uh, at the end of the service, his wife came up and said, um, I'm going home to get dinner ready. Uh, he said, okay. So we kept stay there, you know, talking to the people, and a little bit later, everybody was gone. We closed the, the, turned the lights off, closed the doors, got in the car, went home. So she had the dinner ready, and uh, we all sat around the, the table, and uh, then she said, where's Grace? And he said, didn't she come with you? No. I thought you were bringing her. <laughs> so at that point, we got in the car, and, and, and you can tell that, you know, we went as fast as possible to back to the church, church to see where she was. She was uh, probably seven or eight years old at that time. And uh, on the way, we were looking around. Maybe she's walking home somewhere. We got to church. We unlocked the church, went in, turned the lights on. And there she was sleeping in one of the pews. <laughs> she didn't realize all the drama, uh, all, the, all the panic that had going on in, uh, with us. Something similar happened to us some years later also. One day, a friend of uh, Jenny came to pick her up to go do some shopping. They went, and then they called me and said uh, uh, her car had, uh, the battery had, had died and it couldn't turn on. I said, can you come and and uh, help us. Um, I said, sure. So I got in the, and, and her kids and our kids were at home. So I put all the kids in the, in the van and off I went. And uh, when, we, when I got there, I opened the trunk and, or the, the hood and started setting the, the, the cables. But Jenny, she went immediately into the, the van and started looking to count all her children, right? And uh, one of them was missing. <laughs> so I was like, where's Danny? And I said, I thought you brought him. No, he's not home. And she said, no, I left him home. So <laughs> I had to go back home and find that, yep, yeah, Danny was asleep in his crib and I had forgotten him. So things like those have happened to us. And, and maybe when, when we read the story that we're going to read today, some of those images might come to mind if you're, if you're a, a parent. But there is a lot more to the story than, than, than just what that panic that goes into a parent's uh, mind when, when he or she forgets a, a child. The, the, ver, the, the passage is in Luke chapter 2, and starting on verse 41. And we have title this sermon, Where is Jesus? The passage starts by saying, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. That phrase caught my, my eye, because 
Some time ago, I have a, a, a friend who's Jewish, and I asked him, I said, so how do you celebrate the Passover dinner? And he looked at me and he said, are you talking about Pesach or Seder? And I'm like, mm, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, because you, you Christians tend to confuse the two. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> uh, and he started explaining that Passover to them is an eight-day uh, festival. And uh, to you is like a two-hour thing, right? Is that, is that what you mean by Passover? And I said, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about Seder. And I went home and I like, He's certainly wrong, right? I mean, I've been reading my Bible for so long, I know what Passover is. So I went back and I found the explanation in the Bible of how, how do Israelites celebrate, celebrate a Passover. And it's in Exodus chapter 12, but it's also in Deuteronomy chapter 16. And it says, chapter 16, verse 16, three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the festival of the unleavened bread, the festival of the weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Wait a minute. There's no Passover there. I thought Israelites had to go to Jerusalem or to the place where God had told them to go every year. But when it says the times that you're supposed to go, Passover is not mentioned. There's three occasions mentioned in Deuteronomy, and that is unleavened bread, festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. And that is because when we read those passages, we tend to focus on Passover because that, for us Christians, is a very important festivity of the Israelites or the Jewish, of the Jews. Then we... we tend to just read that passage and skip over what happens before and what happens after. But if you look at the way it happens in the, in, in the calendar, you will notice that the Israelites were commanded to have seven different feasts, okay? And those feasts were, were spread out around the year, except if you look carefully on the top right, there were three that were clustered together. And those were the Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. They actually are so clustered together that the, they are called in this passage that we just read, the unleavened bread feast. Starts with Passover and ends with first fruits, but it's one festivity altogether. So that's why. Um, in Deuteronomy 16, also it says, you must not sacrifice a Passover in any town the Lord your God gives you. So, yes, Passover was not supposed to do, be done at home. That could only be done in the place that God would reveal them that it should be. During the time in the desert, it was where the tabernacle was. When they arrived in Israel, then it was in Silo. And it was in Silo for 360 years. By the way, if you ever happen to have the opportunity to go visit Israel, make sure that 
silo is, is included in your, in your package because that is the most wonderful place. Um, that the, it was the one that was touched our hearts the most while we were traveling there. All the other places is like maybe it was here, somewhere here in the vicinity, but when you go to Silo, you find the place where the tabernacle stood for 360 years. That is a special place. And they had to go there. But then David moved the capital and the temple from Silo, which is where all the stories of Samuel and the stories of uh, Eli happen in Silo. Then David moved that temple to Jerusalem. So now the place where God said that they had to go was to Jerusalem. So according to this passage, Passover was not done in your house. It was not like you go out and you find your lamb and you cook it and while you're singing and taking care of the kids. It was a special festivity that had to be done in a special place. And it was included in these three special times in which every Israelite was supposed to travel to Jerusalem or to the place where God would command them to go. Um, verse 6, except in the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, there you must sacrifice the Passover in the evening when the sun goes down on the anniversary of your depart departure from Egypt. That's special, very special instructions. Now, um, if, if, if you look at it, and we're not going to go into very specific detail, but the Feast of Spring, or sometimes called the Festival of the Unleavened Bread, or sometimes called the Passover, if you, call, if you ask uh, a Jewish person today what is Passover, they're going to be referring to this whole festival okay, that starts on the 14th, the day of Passover. But the day of Passover is a, is a very short day. And, and you'll see, you'll, we'll go into a little bit more detail in a little bit. But then, after that, then you go into the 15th through the 20th of the month of Abib, which was called initially Abib, and then it was changed to Nisan. But uh, you will see Nisan or Abib in different places of the Scripture. And during these days, there were the, the rest of the seven days, you could not eat leavened bread, bread that had been raised in any way, shape, or form. So, first day, Passover, then six more days of you cannot eat anything um, that has, um, what is it? Yeast. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> I, sorry, my, my English is not, not my first language, right? So, uh, yeast, you could not eat anything that had yeast on it for six days. And then, on the last day, then you celebrate what is called the day of the first fruits. And that day you bring everything, that the first thing that the, the land has produced, you bring it to the Lord. So, back to Deuteronomy, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 7. Roast it. So, remember, in the, in the previous verse, it said that, verse 6, that you must sacrifice the Passover in the evening. So think about this. This is not something that you're going to start cooking early in the morning, like we usually do for our festivities, right? For like uh, Thanksgiving dinner, we start very early in the morning so we can have it in the evening. You can sacrifice the Passover. You, you, you kill the animal at the end of the day. And then, following with verse 7, you have to roast it 
and eat it that night, same night at the place the Lord your God will choose. Then in the morning, you can return to your tent. So imagine that if, you, if, you, if the animal is killed at 6 p.m. because it had to be a sunset, and then you start roasting it and everybody's getting ready and, and, and uh, waiting and waiting until it's ready. Once it's ready, 10, 11 p.m., you start eating and the Lord commanded that it had to be finished. No leftovers. So you have to eat and eat and eat. And if, if the lamb is, big, is too big for your family, you have to ask your neighbors to come and, and, and join you. So one lamb between the two families, but you have to finish it that night. It has no leftovers. And when you're done, then you can return in the morning to your tents. So that was a busy night. All night eating, right, this lamb. And then the next day, you went back. So when Luke says that Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover, we have to make a decision. Is he going just for Passover? Are they, are they going just for Passover, meaning the 14th, and eat all night until the 15th, and then going home? Or have they come for the whole festivity that is the unleavened bread uh, festivity. Uh, and the, the word says that when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. So uh, you go back in history and you find that after the Israelites were taken slaves in, in slavery by the Assyrians, they forgot how some of the things were done. And when they came back from slavery, they brought some customs that were not original. So, for example, if you go to a, a Passover meal at a Jewish home, you'll find that they, there's an egg there. And you ask, what's that egg for? Because I read the scripture, there's no egg in there. But now there's an egg in there, and that was introduced during that period in which some of the customs were changed. And another change that happened around that time was the, the Passover was taken as the name instead of unleavened bread. So Passover meant the whole period, not just the first night. So what we can think about here is these people are traveling from Nazareth to Jerusalem. That's a three-day trip. And the Bible says that they had to pick the lamb on the day 10. So they had to go through, see all the other animals they had. They had to pick one that was the correct one and it had to be perfect. And then they pick that tenth, and they have three days to make it to Jerusalem. They cannot kill it and put it in the refrigerator, froze it, and then, you know, carry it like that. They have to carry it live all the way to Jerusalem because the, the order was that it had to be sacrificed in the place where God will tell you to do it. So they had three days to make it from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And... If you go to Google Maps, you'll find that it's, uh, you, you can walk it. It's 31 hours nonstop of walking. So somehow they spread that in three days and made it all the way to, to Jerusalem. And now they are in Jerusalem. And after the festival was over. So here we need to have a little bit of interpretation, right? Was Joseph and Mary, considering the festival that they went to, just the Passover, that means 
one day and then they're going back home? Or are they thinking about the whole week? The, the wording in here after the festival was over does not give us that answer, but um, if you inspect the language a little bit uh, more in detail, you'll find that it says, after the days were over. So after the days were over gives me the, 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 the feeling that the intention of them was to come for the whole eight days. So imagine that. They had to come from Nazareth three days to Jerusalem, stay for eight days, and then three days to go back home. So this was not a, a simple, you know, one-hour drive to, to get to church and, and we have to do it every Sunday. They only had to do this three times a year. And in this occasion, they stayed for a long period of time. And while his parents were returning home, so at the end of this time in Jerusalem, they are returning home now, they, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, that is hard. It must have been hard for those parents, right? But if you think about this, when we take this passage outside of its context and the history, it seems like in the beginning it says that every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. Oh, that, that was a family custom, right? That's something that they decided to do. But when we read in the Old Testament, we find that, no, 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 no. This was a command from God. It was a mandate for every person, for every family to do this. So this is not something that, you know, their family picked up their things, came to Jerusalem for a little bit. You would, on those days, you would find the roads were, there were traffic jams there, right? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people all walking from all different places, all trying to get to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And everybody from Nazareth was coming. You, Joseph, Mary, their brothers, sisters, uh, in-laws, everybody was coming. It's not, it's not that they just decided their family to come. So it, it was more of a Family, huge family, the whole city walking towards Jerusalem. And in that environment, of course, the children were not all the time sticking to their parents, right? Tried to do that. I mean, you, you know what happens. You know, the kids will be running around after, you know, for an hour or so will be right on your side. But then they will meet the cousin here, the friend there, and, and they will just go and go with them. And, and it was normal that during their trip up, it probably happened that Joseph and Mary were not, did not have Jesus on their side 100% of the time. They were talking with people that they haven't talked in a long time. They were walking together while the children were on their own. But the thing that, <clears throat> one of the first phrases that calls my attention in this story is, but they were unaware of it. They were unaware of it. I have departed from the Lord. I have moved myself away from the Lord in many occasions. A few of them, I was very aware of it. 
But the majority of the times when I have put some distance between my God and me, I wasn't aware of it. It just happened. Some things picked my interest. Some things, some conversations, uh, social media, entertainment. You get caught and somehow you lose sight of the Lord. And the parents here are in that mode. They are not intentionally losing their child. They just lose sight of him because they were talking and making conversation with the rest of the family. Thinking he was in their company, as I explained before, they traveled on for a day, a whole day, without realizing that Jesus was not with them. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. They kept walking and go like, Do you, have you seen Jesus? No, have you? Maybe it's with causing like, no, he's not there. And, and they kept asking, and, and nobody has seen Jesus. So now they're panicking. Now they, they're like, uh-oh, we have to go back to Jerusalem. So think of this. They have walked, it says, one day. So they're one day away from, from Jerusalem. They start asking. I don't know for how long, maybe half a day. <laughs> There's so many people walking in that direction, going back home. When they did not find him, so day and a half, maybe two days have passed, they go back to Jerusalem. One day, walk again. And on the third day, after three days, they found him in the temple courts. Sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. He was in the right place. He had been there all along. It's like the kid saying... I wasn't lost. You were lost. I'm in, I'm in the place where I'm supposed to be, right? Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? That question reminds me of... Adam, when God came to Adam and said, what have you done? And he said, the woman that you gave me, it's your fault. You gave me the wrong woman. You gave me a woman that, uh, you know, just made me fall into it. And we as humans have that nature of trying to deflect when we feel guilty, right? Have you noticed that? The first thing that happens when you've, you know you're guilty, but the first thing you try to do is find something that is as guilty or more guilty than you are to deflect the fact that you need to accept that something went wrong. You lost sight of Jesus, but now he's, he's, she is talking to Jesus and trying to make him guilty of what happened, right? His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Not only that, now we try to associate some other people around us, right? Your father and I have been anxiously, sometimes uh, my wife would say to the ch children, your father and I, and I go like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that, but you know, we try to find uh, partners to, to be in, in, in the game with us, right? So we can share the blame with other people. Your father and I have been looking for you. 
What have you done? And we all know the answer from Jesus. Why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Now, there's an easy explanation for this. If Joseph and Mary came to Jerusalem just for the Passover. If they came only for the Passover and were going home after just the Passover, the Lord had commanded that they had to stay eight days. And Jesus is saying, hey, you're, wrong. you're going home at the wrong time. You, you went home in the middle of the service. I'm supposed to stay at church. But I think that the most likely explanation for, for the, the trip is that they did stay the whole eight days. So why is Jesus still in the temple? Why is Jesus still there? My feeling is that he never left. That's where they went, and they did the, the, the sacrifice, and they left without noticing that he had stayed, that he was still talking to the teachers in the temple. And then the second most intriguing phrase, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They did not get it. They didn't get what he was saying. You left. I'm in the right place. And I'm afraid the same thing happened with, with us too. When we separate ways from the Lord. Again, as I said before, sometimes it's very intentional. Sometimes it is, we, we know that what we're doing is wrong and we do it on purpose. But the majority of the time, it's not like that. We just, we just let, let the current pull us in and take our sight away from the Lord. And then when we're confronted with what's going on, we don't understand. What happened? How did I get here? What, what, what do you mean I'm, I'm separated from the Lord? I, I, I'm a Christian. I go to church every week. I, I don't understand. Why are these uh, temptations happening? Why are these... these uh, uh, trials in my life, and we start questioning, we start uh, even creating our own theology, our own explanation of how God acts and how that He doesn't, when reality is, we just don't want to accept what has happened, is that we have taken our eyes from the Lord, and we had just wandered off, little by little, act by act, word by word, all of a sudden, we're called in our hearts. We, we don't feel like praying in the morning. We don't feel like reading his, his word. We don't feel like um, going to the, to the congregation of believers and, and, and praising the name of the Lord. And, and we do it because, well, it's, it's the custom, just like Joseph and Mary. It's the custom. We do it. We continue doing it. But our hearts are not in it. Our hearts have wandered away. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So, uh, Jesus was not a rebel. 
He was not trying to show them who, who is in command. I'm here because I'm the king of kings. He was very submissive. He was very humble. And he was obedient to his parents. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Luke says that before writing the Gospel of Luke, he had researched a lot. I have the feeling that Luke spent a lot of time talking to Mary. Because if, if you look at the first chapters of Luke, you will see that it reflects what Mary felt at that time. Several times. At least twice, he says, but Mary was guarding these things in her heart. Well, how does Luke know? <laughs> if Mary was guarding these things in her heart, how does Luke know? I think that in, her, in his research, Luke was talking to the apostles, Luke was talking to the people who were present, and as we know in the book of Acts, Luke says that Mary is in Jerusalem with the disciples. So Luke, I have a suspicion, went there and got firsthand what happened. And Luke is the only one who tells us this story. Some of the stories that are very personal and specific about what happened during the first years of Jesus come from Luke. But Mary didn't understand that she was meditating at these things. What's going on here? She knew from the revelation she had received from the angel that there was something special going on. But she didn't know everything. She didn't know how it was going to happen. And right now, she felt for a second she had lost the treasure that God had given her. And all of a sudden, she feels relief that he's okay. But at the same time, she feels like There's, there, there must be a lesson here for me. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor of God. All this part we know, right? Several times we have, we have uh, probably heard this, this uh, passage or read it. And he was growing in stature and in favor of God. The part that, that I think it's, it's sometimes forgotten nowadays is that it continues saying, and man. The church nowadays is, is, is delighting in, in, in being confrontational, and, uh, or some churches at least. And I think we have forgotten that when Jesus came to the earth, when he was here, he was the only times that we see him saying really, really insulting and hard things to somebody. It was not to the sinners. It was not to the people who were just horrible in sin. But it was to the people who were supposed to be representing God and were not. And were actually being an obstacle for people to reach God. All the other times, he was, it says, the, the verse says, he was growing in favor with man, with mankind. He was, he was full of grace. He was always inviting the people to repent, to come back to God because that was the purpose he came. He did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Now, so the question is, where have we left Jesus as a church? And I know we will immediately have that reaction that Joseph and Mary had of 
wait a minute, what are you, what are you talking about? We are a Christian church. We have Jesus right here. We had his name praised. But I want to challenge you this morning. We as a church, same as we as individuals, have the tendency to focus our sight in other things than Jesus. And that's normal for human nature. That's normal. It happens. But we need to recognize when that has happened. For example, this morning, where did you leave Jesus? I'm, I, I'm sure some of you, most of you maybe, got up this morning and said, Jesus, this is your day. And maybe while you were still in bed or, or right beside the bed, you, you kneeled down and you said, Jesus, let this day be yours. I want to go to your house. I want to praise your name. I, I want to lift your name in front of the whole world. Uh, cleanse my life. And, and, uh, but then you get into, you know, combing your hair and getting children ready. And, 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 and right at that moment, you lose sight of where Jesus is. You lose sight of where you have, in, at what point you have you, you moved away from him. And I would like to take the opportunity to invite us, all as individuals, and as a church, to remember that this happens. Mary and Joseph were chosen to be the parents, the human parents of Jesus, because they were good people. Because they were among the best of us. Yet, they lost sight of where Jesus was for a second. And we will too. And let's remember that. That it happens in our, in our, in our life. Where is Jesus? Family and social activities sometimes separate us. Separated them from Jesus and sometimes separate us from Jesus. But Jesus was still holy. He was still humble. He was still in the place where she was supposed to be until the time when they came back looking for him. They didn't get it at that time. But they recorded it. So maybe we can get it. Maybe we can get it. And we can take advantage of this opportunity today to come back and say, Jesus, I want to be by your side all the time. Don't, don't let me stray away. Not for a second. Not for a minute of the day, not for a day. I want to be in your presence all day. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we recognize how easy it is for us, how fragile we are, how, how easy it is for, for the devil, for the, the society, for... Um, friends, worries, uh, all the things to take away our sight and stop looking at you all the time. And it happens to me every day. And we want to use this, this opportunity, these this verses in which you tell us the story of, of how Mary and Joseph took their sight away from, from you for, for who knows, just a little bit. And then it took them three days to come back. And I ask you, Lord, that you 
Speak to our hearts and help us maintain our sight always in Jesus. Regardless, throughout the things we do, the activities we do, the songs we sing, that we should not ever take our sight off of you. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus.